0: This is the first podcast that we've produced as part of the Wellbeing Network and the intention of this podcast is to normalize the conversation around mental health, well-being in the workplace um, and we want to focus on specific aspects of well-being in each and every podcast. Um, Now we're not going to cover the entirety of what the Wellbeing Network does but we do have a very useful section on SharePoint that you can go and uh, have a look at if you're interested in what the Wellbeing Network does, what we cover, what we like to talk about. So Um, Please go and use those resources if you're interested in that. Um, And today in this podcast, we're going to speak to a guest, which Sally's now going to introduce.
1: So today for our, uh, I guess, our first ever podcast, we have got Ian Hunter. He's one of the uh, ex-co-members here at Hargreaves Landsdown. Um, I guess, Ian, over to you to give us a bit of an intro to yourself.
2: All right, thank you. Uh, Well, look, first, um, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really... um, pleased to be part of this. I think it's a really important topic and so i um, glad to be able to share a bit about my experience here. By the time this podcast goes out, <laughs> I'm not going to be uh, a part of Hargreaves Lansdowne. Um, I've been here for 25 years and we'll talk a bit more about that, but I'm leaving the business now um, and it's a chance for me to explain or sort of talk about some of the things that have shaped and influenced me over the years.
0: Brilliant, thank you. And obviously first and foremost, congratulations on your retirement. The reason we asked you on the podcast, um, obviously you initially sponsored the wellbeing network. So obviously it's something that is important to you. Um, And also we thought as it's our first podcast, it'd be great to have a senior member of the business to set the tone for what we wanna talk about here. So um, specifically for this podcast, we wanted to talk about um, your experience of mental health, um, how you've approached it, not just in your career at HL, but throughout your life. Um, what your reflections are on it if it's something you've ever considered if it's something that has ever been uh, presented with challenges that you've had to overcome um, so what I thought would be useful is if we almost take a chronological approach to your experience of your mental health and just starting from if you want to give us a little bit about your background your childhoods, um, and what that was like
2: for you yeah thank you um, okay so I'm a small country lad <laughs> small country town lad. Brought up in Dorset. Um, both my parents were teachers. Uh, one of two children, myself and my younger sister. I felt very secure mm. as a child. Uh, my last school was a bit Lord of the Flies <laughs> um, <laughs> in some aspect. If I look back to, um, if I look back to sort of some of the formative experiences at mm. school, and again, actually reflecting on this, this is this is another theme that recurs. Mm. Um, of um quite or sometimes difficult environments or Mm. or, you know i don't want to make it out that it was it was that difficult but but you know Mm. we we all have challenges Mm. but relationships were really important to me and Mm. so um uh sometimes difficult situations but close relationships and that's Mm. something that has shaped me which which particular relationships were important
0: to you during that period
2: so relationships amongst close friends, mm. but recognising who were my friends and who weren't—not in a kind of mm. um, I'm going to stick it to you kind of way, <laughs> <laughs> but just in a way that because I think I think again this is something I'm going to keep re- coming back to is is mm. is to is to be true to myself mm. um, a- and to know who I was mm. and I am, and not try and be all things to all people yeah. because uh, you know. I, I just—I I don't think that's possible. Yeah. It's certainly not possible for me. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so it was friends. I had close friends, but then also I think about some of the more inspirational teachers that mm. I had. Um, it's interesting
1: because often, at the time, you don't recognize how kind of formative those years can be for you. Because mm-hmm. it's interesting—I think people only know in hindsight how important maybe when you look back at your time at school your friends and teachers were it's sometimes like the experiences you gain from then you only realise shaped and really mattered maybe 10, 15, mm. 20 years on
2: yeah and my see, so both my parents were teachers mm. and my father um, had a, had an expression which is, I don't know, it might be like a hackneyed teacher <laughs> kind of cliche, but it was the first time I heard it and in he and it's, it's always stuck with me and he and he said uh, the difference between teaching and education was education is all that's left when you've forgotten everything you learnt at school mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's really important that's a good because one because it goes <laughs> it, it it talks about those experiences and those experiences that formed me mm-hmm. um, i did want to talk about one experience yep. i did GCSEs mm-hmm. yeah and i did really well in GCSEs yeah um can say that not in a like a brag way. Because where's the Yeah, um, Because I did. He's actually brought uh, them here. I, I did. I didn't. I, I, I fluffed my A levels. Yeah, and um, basically I didn't put the um, the effort in.
1: It's quite common actually with a, with some people with GCSEs and A levels, isn't it? You find that I think sometimes when they do really well in GCSEs, they somehow think that will naturally translate into A levels when I think you're given a bit more independence.
2: And um, for my parents who were both teachers getting good grades was really important yeah, yeah. and I kind of felt that kind of miss in my life mm. and I think that was one of the if I look at um, if I look at um, a number of people who had similar experiences there is an impetus Mm. I think that that provides. Um, I've got to prove that that was a aberration rather than than who I was. So I I think that was that was something that was interesting. Then the other thing I wanted to talk about was in terms of my background Mm. um, was how I got into HL. Yeah, because there's a story there as well. (laughs) Um, So uh, came to Bristol University. Mm. What did you study? Uh, philo- philosophy. Nice. Which, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> actually, financial services uh, made sense. Well, well uh, uh, in, a, in a way, because... Um, so I left school, and I didn't want to... Not just because I didn't do well in my A-levels, but <laughs> because I'd I basically done school subjects for whatever it was, uh, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to do something different, and I came and did philosophy. And um, and actually, it was... It was, it was um, It was a bit frustrating at times because it it didn't take you anywhere definitive but it did train your mind and later when I got into marketing trying to understand different ways of thinking was really important so philosophy was good for me but so I left university in in 94 and um, it was in the midst of a recession I painted and decorated for a year and then uh, economy started to return I went um i went to a temping agency and i did a test and what i remember i did various tests and 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 what i remembered is doing two spelling tests yeah (laughs) and i got three out of ten <laughs> and seven out of 30. And I- in my defense, they were, they were tricky words. What kind of words were they? were yeah. <laughs> accommodation. I remember accommodation being one. Now, I know how to spell it now. But, um, but and also, so in my defense, they were tricky words. Okay. And actually, I was more of a, a scientist maths background than mm-hmm. I was English. But anyway, they said, right, when can you start? Mm-hmm. And I thought, what, well, how low does the score have <laughs> to be before they don't give you the job? But it was mm-hmm. a. It was a temping job uh, near um, uh, near Temple Meads, mm. and um, I lived in Clifton at the time, so that was a 40-minute walk in and out, and I did that for a year, and then a job came up close to my house, which was in roughly the same line of work, mm. which was Hargreaves Lansdowne Helpdesk. Desk. Yeah. And I applied, and I got the job, and that's how I, um, how I came to be at Hargreaves Lansdowne, was mm. because it was a job that I thought I could do that was closer than temple Meads to my house. You
1: were number six, right, on no. the desk? Or? Uh, uh, oh, so
2: number six on the help yeah. desk. Yes, yeah. that's right. Wow. Yeah, and so the, ind- so the business has changed slightly yeah, in yeah. the time. Um, so, uh, so for instance, my induction was, and, 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 and we didn't have the internet. When I joined, mm. the internet didn't exist. Mm. So it was telephone and post. <laughs> my induction was go and sit in the room, read the latest newsletter, when you've read it, come through. Here's the phone, if you've got any questions, <laughs> ask. That. It's that crazy day. how different it that, is now, that, yeah, that right. was That was my induction, but... Who, who was your trainer of interest? My trainer was a chap who I really respected, mm. uh, Sean Kingston. Mm. Um, I talked earlier about how experiences and relationships were really important. Mm. I learned so much from Sean. He had a great way about him. Mm. He understood he could talk to the most irate client mm. and um, and uh, and make them uh, 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 and resolve that query, and, mm. but do it in a really calm, gentle, considered way. Mm. Uh, and I thought that was that was really impressive. Mm. He also was a man uh, with incredible values, mm. um, and I think that's and that's something I'm going to touch on again mm. later because I think that's important to me. So. Mm. So I learned from Sean. Mm. Um, the, the other person I learned from. So, so there were four big influences yeah. when I joined HR: Sean, mm. um, his wife Teresa Barry, who was um, number three in HL, um, <laughs> Peter Hargreaves, and Steve mm. Lansdowne, um, mm. all of whom I learned different things from. Mm. Uh, so. Teresa was, she was ex, um, she was ex Bristol philosophy graduate as well. So there was a running theme in marketing mm. and then she was just super bright. Mm. Yeah. Really bright commercial driven. She was marketing director when I joined. Um, mm. and, uh, and I wanted to get into marketing
0: mm.
2: and, um, and I learned a huge amount from her. I learned how, so we had, So the business at the time was run by three people, Mm. Peter, Steve, and Teresa, and Teresa was the kind of, um, so, 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 so Peter was the, was the marketer, Mm. was the, was if you like the face of Hargreaves Lansdowne. Um, uh, very, they were all very driven, but he was quite outspoken Mm. as well and, and quite a force and quite a, a, quite a, quite a vocal force mm-hmm. as well Steve was the kind of um, uh, was the more kind of business operations mm-hmm. um, but uh, of the two but that's not just but he you know super bright really involved with the strategy really involved with marketing as well but they mm-hmm. kind of divided the business in those two ways the mm-hmm. front office and the back office mm-hmm. Now, Steve I learned a huge amount from as well because he was quieter than Peter but much more considered Mm. that's not to say that Peter was irrational but he was quite um, he he was very much about the gut Mm -hmm. gut instinct Peter Mm -hmm. whereas Steve was around uh, the consideration so there's two Mm -hmm. different ways of thinking or approaching a problem And, and Teresa was the person that Kind of was well, she was the power behind the throne, I always thought, <laughs> yeah, um, she kind of understood mm. clients, and that 's where I learned the client thing from and mm. um, uh, and um, and she also understood Peter and Steve mm. and could get them to work together, mm. um, and obviously they worked together and of course, but it was a, it was a really interesting um, uh, group of people to learn from but so taking it back to um what that did for me
0: Mm.
2: it was it was the opportunity and I think this is something I've picked up throughout my career Mm. is um is I've seen things in in people that I admire Mm. um and I try them on I try those behaviors on Mm. see if they work for me not mm. everyone does. Mm. Not every behaviour works. Those that do, I stick with, mm. and those that don't, I discard. It's not quite as, as um, it's not quite as sort of um, what's the word uh, uh, conscious as yeah. that. But it, if I reflect on how people have influenced me over the time, mm. I've been lucky to be surrounded by some really interesting, mm. inspiring people.
1: It's like trying on different outfits and seeing which one you like.
2: Yeah, yeah. and recognising that everything fits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's 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 been really, if I reflect back on mm. how I've evolved and yeah. grown as a person, that's been an important principle to me.
0: With the, I'm really interested in um, the point at which you joined HL, and obviously you're, you seem to be very, very observational in terms of how you, uh, I'm not sure if observation is the right word, but... Very observant of the people around you and the qualities that they have and the skills that they have.
2: How
0: would you how would you characterize yourself when you joined HL? Would you say you were a confident person? Were you ambitious? Were you like, oh, I might?
2: It's interesting. It's a good question. Well, um, good I, 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 I question. Let's see if I can give a good answer. Um, <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to go back to someone else who was important to me, mm. and that was my grandmother when I was growing up. So mm. she exuded a sort of quiet confidence mm. um, and i think i have that kind of that there's that core mm. if you like of 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 confidence mm. but then there's a there's a there's a slight social awkwardness around <laughs> me yeah and there's a, a kind of i'm i believe i believe that i can do what i can do which is obvious mm. yeah but it's quite important what worries me or what would concern me or where i feel uncomfortable is where i'm in a situation where i don't know whether i've got the right Mm. capabilities to perform in the way that i need to yeah that's the thing now that never or rarely does that do i let that um uh worry me Mm. because i am who i am Mm. yeah But if I'm sort of measuring myself against the progress, that's sort of an external measure, mm. that's the thing that can sometimes unsettle me. Yeah. But then, you know, and we can talk about that because we can talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah yeah. 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 Do you want
0: to dive into the imposter syndrome stuff now?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, so imposter syndrome I think is, is well understood now yeah. as a thing. Yeah. Um, when I was, um, when I joined HL. Um, I don't think it was... Well, I wasn't aware of it as a thing. Mm. I don't think it's a single thing yeah. either. I think some people can experience different things. Yeah. yeah? For me, I didn't feel that I, I wasn't capable of doing the job. It just felt like I was a kid who'd been given the keys to a car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I was thinking, hang on, they're letting me drive? Yeah. Yeah. And not that I didn't feel I could do it, but it, it was just like... Wait,
1: you mean know, me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me? me. You want well, me to do it? You want me to drive? <laughs> yeah.
2: And um, and the um, and so and so that was my that was how I how I felt. Yeah. And um,
0: sorry, just to jump in there quickly, at what point did you start experiencing that? Do you think? Because uh, I'd I imagine when you started, that probably was you know I can I can do this job and work on the help desk I'm speak on phones. I can talk to people. Was there was there a certain point where you felt like you've been given the keys to the car, and you were? What,
2: what stage in that in your career was that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Actually, good question. Um, and I, and I'd i forgotten about this. I think it was when I was recognised. I think that was the first thing. I, I um, so I don't know whether it was year two or year three. Um, I got my first sort of meaningful bonus, mm. um, and uh, so Sean. Who I was talking about mm. took me into a room, gave me the number. I went, "Gosh, that's." I, I mean, I, I don't think I said that. Mm. I went, "Of course, you should pay me more." But, <laughs> 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 I'm worth twice that. Pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but internally I was going, "Gosh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's quite a big number." Mm. And um, and I can remember, and I could point to the point. Mm. So, so, I said it was near to where I live, and, I, mm. and it was a like a ten-minute walk to my house. Mm. I could take you today to the point in the road. Where I went from wow to oh, I'm really going to have to pull my finger out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think if you, if if I was to say right, what was the point? Mm. I'd probably say that was the point because yeah. expectations had been set mm. th- about what I could do, mm. and I think that's and I felt that kind of um, I felt that expectation, and I think that's where I. That's probably where it started. I
1: think as individuals, sometimes we think, "Oh, we did this really well once, that it might be a fluke." We don't always attribute it to ourselves actually being good at our job. So when someone else recognises it and like puts that pressure on you, then there's the, "Wait, I have to deliver this again now." Yes. And that's kind of what plays on your mind. Sometimes.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. That was exactly my experience. And and then so what did I? So do I still feel imposter syndrome? Mm. No, actually. I mean not often yeah. um, if at all and, and so how did I how did I deal with it yeah yeah because
1: yeah, I think this is the question as well that what would your advice be to people so there could be a lot of people who experience this right now so it'd be good to hear how you overcame it and any advice you have for them
2: first off first off, I'd say I felt it for a number of years yeah. um, uh, second I talked to people mm-hmm. and I knew that Anyone that was progressing through a business was feeling this. Yeah. It's a comp- it, 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 It's a thing. It's what happens mm. So I didn't worry about it You know unduly um, and The other thing is and I think I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier I Knew I wasn't gonna be great at everything mm. and I knew I wasn't I wasn't I could never I I would never be brilliant across the piece I had to and this was some advice that Peter gave me Um, find good people around you who can do what either you can't or you don't want to yeah and then recognize your strengths and then develop those yeah Mm. and that's that's really important Mm. to trust yourself and that's easy that's easy to say I appreciate it, but hard to do recognize small wins mm. recognize where you can grow but recognize the things that you are never going to be able to achieve and stop trying to trying to do those For, and what's qu- important actually here is forgiveness mm. Mm. you will make mistakes yeah. and um and forgive uh, forgiveness i think is really important acceptance mm. that you're not going to be perfect you're not going to be able to do everything celebrate internally the small wins mm. And then, um, and I think actually another thing was it, it's really hard, I think, to um, understand your own progress. Mm. But I used to look at people who would join the company after me mm. and think, gosh, that was me yeah. a year ago. Look what I'm doing now. Look what they're doing.
0: Yeah.
2: And then that would help me understand that I was growing. Mm. And I think that's the things that helped me
0: one of the things I want to touch on uh, you've mentioned there um, your experience of, of kind of watching your progress in the business I wonder if you could talk a little bit about setbacks that you had yeah specific challenges because it'd be really interesting to hear if there were some major moments where I, I don't know how I'm gonna come back from this or I don't I don't know how to approach this yeah
2: mm. okay yeah there's there's a couple um, so I was in marketing there were two parts of our website mm. there was a deal So a bit like today we have mm. My accounts and dealing, and then we've got the external www. Um, What era was
0: this? What sort of time?
2: So this was about uh, imagine like two thousand five or something like that. So internet was just taking off. It was probably five percent, less than five percent of our business. It wasn't a massive thing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I ran the the, the front-facing marketing part of the website, and this other chap ran the um, my accounts and dealing, and it was. You know, it was less than 5% of the business, but it was growing fast. It was kind of high keydos area. Mm. Um, uh, I thought I was doing a good job. Um, and then I went on holiday and, and I came back and there was an announcement that the whole thing had gone across to the other chap. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, hang on a second. No one talked about that to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've been
1: on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <Then>
2: suddenly I've <laughs> come back. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, felt, I felt kind of... You know, and it wasn't about ego because it was. It, it, it's not like uh, oh, um, suddenly I'm not the person who does. Yeah. It was about actually, I really enjoyed doing it, yeah. and it was important. And I thought I was doing a good job. Mm. And um, why had no one spoken to me about this? I mm. felt kind of poorly treated. Mm. I felt um, kind of uh, undervalued because hang on, I thought I was doing a good job, and mm. if, if I was, then why did that happen? and i also felt right, right that's limiting my future opportunity yeah. because this is a growth area of the business and 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 i wasn't i wasn't going to play the role that i thought i had and i'd worked i thought really hard to build it into the and, and none of that was being taken into account mm. so um and and, so, and and also i found out by reading the the um the company it's one announcement one way to be told yeah so um <laughs> So, uh, so that, that hurt quite a lot and also made me question mm. whether I was, whether I understood what my role was, because if I was doing a good job, why was it taken away hadn't yeah. people spoke to, you know, all of that stuff. So, so, so that was a setback. Um, and how did I handle it? Yeah. Well, after, after being a bit bullshit for, a bit, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, I talked to um, Teresa I think Mm -hmm. and said why was that decision made and and I understood why and I I didn't I didn't I didn't wholly um, agree with the decision but I understood why the decision was made Mm -hmm. and I I had two choices Mm -hmm. I could either be really angry and and fight that decision Mm or I could accept that decision, and refocus, mm. and double down on proving what I could do. Mm. Um, if you'd known, if you <laughs> if you'd known Peter, Stephen, Teresa, you would have known that the first option, mm. fighting it, was not really <laughs> annoyed, It wasn't a viable option. Mm. I mean, lovely people don't get me wrong, but once their mind was made, their mind was made, yeah. and um, and so I chose the second. Mm. And actually, then I look at what happened afterwards and yeah. I think, I think it, it turned out okay. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to talk about was my experience of lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go on and talk about isolation because that's what I really felt. Yeah. But I wasn't as isolated as a number of people I appreciate. So I was in that respect, I was lucky. But, but isolation was something that I really felt. Mm. Um, so... Um, so we went into lockdown, and um, my role in the company at the time meant I was kind of leading our response. Mm. Um, we operated a thing called c m t, which was crisis management team, it was crisis, and so um, I chaired that, and so I kind of ended up leading our response and um and it was it was something we'd never seen before, yeah. We were asked to make some really big decisions mm. that impacted colleagues, that impacted um, uh, clients, that impacted the business. You know, pres- with imperfect information. Mm. There was no precedent, there was no, you know, n- nothing prepares you for something like that. Yeah. So that was, that was difficult. Um, and then we moved to remote working. And that isolation really tested those relationships, um, because although you had telephone conversations, although you had Teams, the 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 not having that personal time with people, um, not having those discretionary conversations. How are you? You know, you didn't yeah, yeah. really do that in Teams there's nothing that makes up for that kind of personal contact and that personal relationship. Seeing someone
1: in the kitchen when you're grabbing a coffee. Yeah. And I think, I think there
2: was loads of, there were loads of sort of theories about what was, what was, what was the impact of lockdown? Was it the the water cooler chats that you were missing? Was it the uh, learning by osmosis that kind of seeing people around you and that Culture piece. You, yeah. It was difficult to pick up a culture when you joined when you joined a firm in in lockdown, and lots of theories about about um, about the impact. But for me, for me, lockdown was like road rage because. Um, I think what happens in road rage, and this is my own personal theory, and so it might be completely <laughs> nonsense. Huge disclaimer here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, It might be completely nonsense. But for me, it felt very much like, I mean, I'm, I'm not very road ragey. But um, what happens, I think, is when people sit in metal boxes, they yeah. kind of lose sense of the other person as Absolutely. a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's what enables people to behave in ways when they sit in cars that they'd never behave if they were walking past someone on the street. That's so interesting. Oh, that's, that's such a good I've never thought yeah. of it like that, actually. Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the, the separation.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and so for me, lockdown was like that. Yeah. And and it wasn't, I don't mean like the rage aspect, because there wasn't a huge amount of rage, but there wasn't that kind of love or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or, 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 or compassion yeah. that you have when you experience someone as a person yeah in 3d yeah, yeah
0: yeah and it felt very transactional in 2d i think it, it was, did it felt like people were the interactions were based on yeah the transactional part of a meeting and then the human warmth around the meeting was completely lost and the, yeah
2: absolutely and that was that was really hard so what was my reflection on that yeah. um first um First I think the relationships are important and there were opportunities to have conversations outside meetings yeah. which we took so Chris Hill Philip Johnston myself would have come would have calls regular calls so I think it was twice a week in the evening and I remember doing that with Chris walking his dog and then would be Philip doing whatever he was doing and I uh, but it was nice because it was an opportunity for us all to connect yeah, yeah, and to not have an agenda and to not have that kind of transactional piece yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think that was important you know as I said I was, I was kind of leading the the, the Covid response and, and and working with some great people Martha uh, helped me pull together um, some of the comms and I remember saying there I wanted to say It's okay to not be okay.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. In that, and I don't think that was my phrase. I'd heard it somewhere, but I thought that was really good. Mm. And and it's how I felt. Yeah. And I said that in an email, and um, and I think that for me was really important. Yeah. To to acknowledge it, to say it, to feel it. That it's okay to not be okay sometimes things are really really diff- that was really difficult i wasn't no one should be expected to fly through it and go yeah it's fine i can i can do this it's, it was really hard um and and saying and acknowledging it's okay to find it difficult yeah. and then later i can't remember who said this but i was in a meeting and someone said who knew hunts that's me <laughs> who knew hunts had a heart <laughs> um,
1: yeah, i think there's something really powerful in that isn't it because it goes back to the fact that leaders of the business have a role in kind of setting the culture and I think sometimes even though it might seem obvious overtly saying to people in your team around you something like that it's okay not to be okay that's only when people really believe it when it's kind of sometimes so obviously said rather than implied and I think that's why it resonated with so many people as well.
2: If I think about my role as a leader um, being able to show weakness Mm. in that and and it goes back to weakness and goes back to forgiveness and it goes back to vulnerability and it goes back to all of these things
0: I was thinking that when you were talking about being responsible for the response to COVID that must have been an entirely different feeling of responsibility because you were, you were effectively making decisions about I mean you're always making decisions about people's lives when you're, you know, you're working as a director of a Forty One Hundred company but in the sense of how People are going to work where they're going to go on a daily basis, what their, their actual safety from a virus, which we didn't know very much about at the beginning, so absolutely. that's a whole different level of responsibility. Yeah,
2: Ab- and their well being, yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs- abs- absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and you know, what I, what I want to be clear about is, is that it's, it's an enormous privilege mm. as well to have that responsibility, yeah, and I feel that. Um, I've been, I've been lucky to and, and I've worked hard. To, to 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 progress in the business the way that I have, and I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want it to sound like I kind of uh, I'm anything but really privileged and proud of some mm-hmm. of the responsibilities that that, that I've inherited or, or earned. But at the same time, it's just we've all got doubts. Yeah, yeah. We've all got vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's important that we all understand that. Yeah. And I think and it sort of goes back to um, that goes back to something else I wanted to talk about, yeah. which was what's the other important things to me and that, that's helped me when I'm sort of facing down yeah. kind of, uh, difficult decisions or I'm, I'm uncertain or I'm feeling um, I'm feeling under pressure or you know, whatever. What and for me, I think my values has been my values. Mm. Have been really important, and I don't mean that I'm, you know, incredibly virtuous. Mm. I'm not, but I just recognise the importance of my values. Yeah. Um, some people have um, uh, spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs, and, 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 and I, I, I would sometimes wish I could, but it's, I've never really been able to make that work for me. Um, but what I have, um, what I have got is, I think, is, is some quite values mm. I think there's other things um, which are really important to me which is you know alwe- I've always faced problems t- I have like to think I've always faced problems, faced it into problems um, I don't I want to be honest with people and up front and I'd much rather do that and deal with that circumstance then yeah. than kind of obfuscate or kind of lie my way around something what philosophy teaches is there's no truth there's no set truth yeah. everyone has their own particular system of beliefs yeah? now they they, they they work for, for them um, when we've talked about um, sort of ambiguity making decisions in ambiguity or um, facing unprecedented times and you don't have a playbook you don't have something that says, "Right, this is the way." I've done this before, and I know this works. Being able to fall back on, and, and it's not just—it's it's every day, every day you face a sit, or, 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 or you could face a situation where you're you're dealing with something new that you've not you not dealt with before. Yes. And um, and so, I and mean, for me, having values—that's been really important to me. Yeah, yeah? and relying on those those principles if you like about how I'm going to behave.
1: I think a really interesting question would be from kind of your experiences whether that's within HL or kind of the wider world how the conversations around mental health have changed since when you joined and how they are now or I guess particularly post-pandemic as well.
2: Obviously we are much more aware Mm. now than we were in 1990s when I started at HR. Are we sufficiently aware? No, and that 's part of the reason I wanted to have be part of this conversation. Sure. So yes, conversation has come on massively in my time at HL, but we 've got more to do, I think and and for me, a lot of this starts with openness, with understanding, and looking to support. Um, looking for support and looking to support
0: are there any particular resources or influences that you think have had an impact on uh, how you approach things in terms of your mental health so books films um, just any kind of thing that you feel like you have taken inspiration from that you've drawn from in the past and uh, primarily we'd like it to be as left field as possible if you can
2: so Harvey it was a film made, it's a black and white film, uh, stars a chap called James Stewart, yeah. and he sees a six foot three inch white rabbit, <laughs> who's his friend. Okay, <laughs> so this is left field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it is it's, it's left field. Which and is the
0: Harvey of the title. Uh, the Harvey, Harvey right. is yeah, the yeah, rabbit. Yeah, yeah. So, so he sees,
2: and he's, it's, a, it's, it's his imaginary friend. Yeah. And, um, and it's a small, it's set in America, it's a small town, he lives with his sister. His sister is trying to marry off her daughter. And he's just this kind of—he's the sort of person that they don't really want to have around. But he has, a, he has a wonderful, wonderful existence. He goes to the pub, meets people, introduces them to Harvey <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and- You never and, see but, Harvey in the movie. You never sure. see Harvey okay, in the movie. Okay. I mean, you never see Harvey. Anyway, so uh, after a while, his sister decides to take him to an asylum and get him treated. And they can give him an injection. And, um, and the injection will mean that he doesn't see Harvey anymore. Yeah. And, um, and as she's waiting f- for the injection to happen, um, she talks to the taxi driver that's brought them out. And the taxi driver says, I bring people out here the whole time and I take them back. When they drive out, they're lovely people. And when they drive back, they're just like everyone else, yeah. yeah. And um, they're saying, "Don't go too fast. to Watch the meter." Yeah, that's the thing. And and for me, and you know, sort of in a postmodern world, we can all draw what we want yeah. from everything. And for me, it goes back to being yourself, being proud of who you are, acceptance, tolerance. Try not to be like everyone else. Recognising the value. That you that we all that we have yeah. and acceptance but it's the things that I've talked about in this yeah. conversation it's about know who you are like who you are learn to like who you are yeah. challenge yourself grow but forgive yeah. and be and, 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 and be happy with who you are And when I look back at Harvey and when I watch it I recognize I, 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 how many of the phrases I've adopted into yeah, my yeah, into yeah. my into my life, and how impactful that is? But yeah. it's the story about don't be like everyone else. Yeah. That's the sort of that's the that's the conclusion for me.
0: Yeah. But just for the sake of clarity, um, Ian does not see a six foot three inch bunny
2: rabbit. Around <laughs> his, and he hasn't done one him. of my retirement goals. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I guess maybe. Just because you've spoken about retirement now, and I think it's an interesting question. I mean, HL, from the sounds of it, it's kind of all you've ever known a bit in terms of kind of work. Um, how are you feeling about retirement?
2: I don't know what to expect because I've never done this before. Yeah. But I actually, I want to find out who I'm going to become. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that sounds a bit grand. And that person I've become might be just... Like me, but with a chainsaw, course. <laughs> <laughs> or or, um, uh, or or whatever. It's not. It's not like a. But I do want to. I want to. I want to learn what else I can. I can do. Um, and so that's that's how I'm thinking about retirement. And 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 like with many things, there's going to be a challenge, and there's going to be ups and downs, and there's going to be kind of things that work and things that don't. And uh, but that's how I'm thinking about.
0: Uh, anything that we talked about in the podcast that we can do we'll link to so we'll definitely link to the film Harvey um, so people can check that if they want to Um, also just to mention again uh, if you're interested in the Wellbeing Network if you're interested in uh, having a look at the resources available I know Ian spoke um, about having a network of people or a support network Um, if you are interested in anything like that we have a SharePoint section that you can go to uh, which is called Wellbeing Wellbeing.
1: if you want to chat about any more of the th- topics and themes that we've kind of covered in this podcast, um, you can reach out to any of us in the network. Um, James Roberts is the other co-chair, um, but we will yeah put everything within the SharePoint page.
0: We'd love to speak to you and have a discussion about any of the points that we've covered. Um but yeah, that just leaves us to thank you and thank you so much for for giving us your time and, uh, and being so candid. It's been such an enjoyable experience. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. So thank much. you.